0: Hi, everyone. This is episode five of season four. And today I have Matt back with me. How are you doing, Matt?
1: Very well. Thank you, Catherine. Yeah, look, looking forward to uh, this morning's session. It's, um, it's one of those cancers that is uh, rather close to my heart, um, as, you, as you know. So uh, looking forward to the chat.
0: Absolutely. Well, today, as uh, Matt's just alluded to, we are going to be talking about skin cancer and how it can potentially influence insurance applications, and something that I think can sometimes surprise people quite a bit as to how much it can influence things. So, this is the Practical Protection Podcast. So getting straight into some statistics, Matt. I know some of us like statistics, different things like that. Um, obviously doing quite a bit of research on this in terms of, that. you know, there's, there's so many people that do have skin cancer, have experienced it. And obviously I think sometimes people are quite surprised at the different types and what the different types can mean. But just for, for general information for people, there's roughly 15,400 uh, cases of skin melanoma that are diagnosed every year in the UK. And it's actually the fifth most common cancer one of the things that I found quite surprising actually when I was um, sorry looking more sp- specifically for the statistics was that the amount of people that have been diagnosed with skin cancer has in a sense grown more than any other cancer in the last decade so it is something that is becoming it it's, it's kind of like spiraling a little bit in terms of getting it um I think it's really quite Apt at the moment, obviously, especially seeing as though obviously today in, in finally there's absolutely no sunshine, it's awful, but it's been really, really sunny. And I've been taking my kids to like a cricket um club every day. Mm-hmm. And yep. um, yeah, they absolutely love it. Yeah, and exactly. um, and obviously, straight away, I have to obviously do the suntan lotions. And with my nine-year-old, I've said to him, you know, I've, I've said to both of them, my nine and seven-year-olds, right? Like, you must suntan lotion yourself midday at least. And um and they'll come back and obviously my nine-year-old who's the, who's a very, very good boy, obviously, it's just like I have done it, it's very proud of himself. I have done it, and I've done it like this, and I did it here. And when the p- person told me to, I did it straight away. And my seven-year-old just kind of pulls a face at me and sticks his tongue out, and I'm like, Did you do it? And he's like, Yeah. And you know, obviously it's very boring for a seven-year-old to do suntan lotion. So I've had to do the threat of if you don't do it, and if, if your older brother tells me that you haven't done it, <laughs> then you oh, don't get to go that. again. Um, <laughs> which feels terrible. But but it does feel like but obviously it worked because last time he did do it he did do it i think almost around the time they were due to come home which was slightly out of timing but i thought no it's okay he's yeah, actually yeah, he's done it you know i've got can't have a go at him for that yeah. i'd say as well the worst thing for, for me in terms of um getting suntan national is my mum my mum is absolutely atrocious for it. So I'll say it to her and she burns. And I'm just like, have you put suntan lotion on? And again, she just kind of like grumbles at me, growls a little bit. <laughs> <at her laughs> <back to me. laughs> and I'm trying to get her to do it. And, and every now and then I'll just kind of sneak up behind her and put some on her back and like force her to have it on on like the top of her shoulders and everything. Um, but yeah, I so she's she's the biggest whiner. I have to say my mum when it comes to the suntan lotions. Um, but also in terms of what's quite apt, um is there was somebody that was it was recently it went onto the BBC there was a gentleman um, and I believe he's an ex-footballer I don't know football much so apologies if I'm going to mention someone's name who's like some kind of like a football god and I just have no idea um, but a person called Mark Lawrenson who used to be a former Liverpool defender and he was on um, the BBC speaking recently and a GP happened to be uh, watching and Emailed into the BBC and said, Look, I know you don't know who I am, but please pass on this message. I think that guy might have skin cancer. He should really get it checked out. And luckily, you know, the guy listened and when it got checked out, and it it was in fact skin cancer. So obviously, absolutely amazing that, you know, things like this are happening. But also, as well, I think the story was that this guy had been kind of like, Well, I think he's in his 60s and he's been kind of like, well, it's just a little bit of a blemish. It's just, you know, my skin, I'm just getting a bit older. It's just changing a little bit. It's nothing. You know, it's just one of those things. Where, but actually, it was a case of, no, we really do need to keep an eye on these things. Um, it's possibly quite easy for people to to overlook it in some ways, maybe.
1: Yeah, it's, it, you, you've touched on a number of things there. I mean, I, I would also add and uh, without wanting to get everybody uh, very scared especially especially those uh, runners in the world um and i can see your pupils dilating Catherine, as i mm. say that with uh, with alan obviously yes um players and so on and so forth there is another very very famous case um of a, a chap called who i'm sure you will know the name although i know you're a very young person <laughs> <laughs> bob, called bob marley yes the famous Jama- jamaican reggae star and um he actually died of skin cancer. Oh, wow. And it initially um, presented itself as a, um, a black lesion underneath his toenail. Oh. Bear in mind the chap is a colour anyway. Yeah. Um, and he put it down to um, uh, a football injury, you know, kicking the ball in the wrong yeah. way, which which jarred his nail. And um, either which way, he, he had it checked out mm-hmm rather scarily, but they didn't treat it, and eventually it spread and killed him at the tender age of 36.
0: Oh, wow, my age.
1: So, so, um, you know, it's... Anything that's unusual, even though I think somebody might easily say, oh, it's down to this or down to that, it is worth getting checked out. I know Marley did, but either which way, um, it's important to get these uh, unusual blemishes, in, in Martin's case, um, or changes in colour, rashes, just get them, give them the once-over. Um, yes. GPs are, and obviously if GP was concerned, they would refer it to a consultant dermatologist. But, you know, don't don't take these things um, lightly at all.
0: Uh, I think that's really important. And as well, like you say about the fingernail thing, because I mean, obviously I've had it before where I've ended up with like, you know, be kind of like a bit of a blood or a bruise spot underneath a fingernail. And I, I don't think people, I mean, I certainly don't think of, it's cancer underneath the sort of like, you know, I, I wouldn't think of that if I saw something under my fingernail, but again, I, when I was doing the research, I saw something about I think it was on like this morning with Philip Schofield that they'd mentioned they were saying something and the, the presenters were shocked about the fact of actually, you know, something under your fingernail could actually be a sign of it as well. So that's a really good one to, to bring yeah. up and um I think I the say, is, these
1: things clear, if these things clear up quickly, yeah. Don't concern yourself. But if if you know Stays. you have bruised your foot or whatever and it lingers, yeah. always yeah. worth five minutes with your GP. Absolutely. you pretty experienced these days in looking
0: at these things. Absolutely. I was going to say as well, um, another sorry, helpful tip, and I'm sure my beautician, I like to go for facials every now and then, and she's yeah. always saying that people, you know, even if it's sunny, in, the, sorry, even if it's cloudy in the UK, no matter what, you should have some kind of suntan lotion on when you're going outside. Um, and, uh, and I do think that's something a lot of us, Probably don't do, which yeah. really we should do okay no, so,
1: you, sorry, sorry sorry Catherine. on this, on that particular note about looking after yourself and, and wearing certain tan lotion i would I would completely utterly agree and I said early, early, um, earlier on in the session that um, this was quite personal skin cancer to me and um, my brother uh, was diagnosed with uh, malignant melanoma um, he was thirty two. Um, on the side, lower lower side of his trunk, main main part of his body, okay. um, and then uh, sadly died at thirty eight of, um, of of skin cancer. It metastasized everywhere, um, and uh, he when when he entered into hospital, um, he only lasted about a week. I'm so sorry. Um, and but... of course, he, what one does with that is say, well, how on earth did he get skin cancer?" and so on and so forth but the family put it down to maybe that my mum and dad when they were um, in their 20s um uh, my dad moved over to well the family the three of them moved over to singapore right because uh, he was the civil service and um you know chris probably would have got burnt we're talking here in the 1950s mm. um early 1960s i've got a, we've got burnt in that type of tropical sun mm. and um, lo and behold all those years later it caught up with him and there are statistics around to say that skin melanoma when you uh, if you are burnt obviously not everybody every child who gets sunburnt turns out to have skin melanoma but mm. if you do get burnt when you're young when your skin and your cells are multiplying rapidly as you get older your, your cells don't um, then um, you know you can uh, you can see the damage much later on. Also, just talking about that, my mother-in-law. Um, sorry to be harbour of doom and gloom. Bob Marley, my brother, now my mother-in-law. Um, now my mother-in-law has survived. God bless her. Um, but she had skin cancer, eventually diagnosed on the back of her calf. If you think of the, the ladies in the fifties and sixties always wearing skirts. Um, you Know, not necessarily um, putting suntan lotion on their legs, yeah. Um, but that's probably how she and she's a, a very dark skin, um, right. but, but had melanoma as well. Thankfully, as I said, she's still with us. So, you were talking about um, protecting suntan lotion on the young,
0: yeah. Well, uh, yeah, absolutely, everybody. So,
1: that's why I bring this in now, by the way,
0: <laughs> yeah. No, of, and course. Also,
1: of course, the um, you, you mentioned it's a it's a current um. A really current um, issue, and yeah, it's all down to sun exposure. It's down to sunbathing, and um, exacerbated by those people who go on sunbeds. Absolutely. And the number of areas, you know, the common areas are around your neck, where your clothes and your, your neck your, from your clothes to where your neck is exposed. Mm. Your face, hands, backs of your legs, and there's the old, old analogy. Certainly, when I was growing up with the great um, Dr. Brackenridge of the um the term um excuse me if your viewers find it uh, distasteful but builder's bum oh yeah yes. you remember
0: yeah, yeah. Builder's, builder's bum. The old
1: days. yeah, yeah. They used to, the lower back was exposed and you know the number of case, menonoma men- cases that came out of that specifically for builders just around the the gene line or trouser mm. line was absolutely amazing so you fit hit all the causes, well, not all the causes, but the, the majority of the causes right on the head. And absolutely, protection is absolutely key to it all.
0: Absolutely. Oh, so, thank you for obviously sharing, Matt. I, I didn't know about your brother and, and your mother-in-law, so thank you so much for sharing that.
1: Absolutely no problem at all. I do have a, um, a particular, <laughs> uh, yeah, very interested in skin cancer, to say the least.
0: Yes, I was. Gonna say, I mean, I've touched wood. I've not experienced that, and, and I have to say, sometimes I've possibly been a bit naughty. I mean, I am quite fanatical with suntan lotion, but I am also mm-hmm. possibly, when I was younger, a little bit, bit naughtier in some ways because I don't tend to burn. Um, even though I yeah. do look very pale, my my skin does actually tan usually extremely well, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, which but that in itself is in the sense of burning. Um, it's just not the red, angry version of burning. So it it is something that I really try and take on and. um, and I know Alan always grumbles at me because I'm a case of I was saying to him, like, no, I just want all of us to have factor 50 on. It doesn't matter. You know, like, I know that, you know, obviously, when you're younger and I think you're know, you used to going hard, you be like, oh, I'll put on factor 10 and I'll get a lovely tan. And I was like, now I'm just like, no, everyone's going to have factor 50. I'm not messing about. You can Especially all have that. Million.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely.
0: Oh, yeah. The kids, the kids 100%, 100% are covered.
1: Million.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So I remember, obviously, when we were, Um, chatting previously and obviously preparing for this is that something that's sort of put in my mind as well is that when I, you know, when I have spoken to people before that have had skin cancer and different things is that, you know, they always, they kind of think, you know, well, obviously it is something that's going to come into the insurance kind of conversation. Um, But I always get the instinct and it's, I think it's possibly something from the back of my mind in some ways that my instinct is to possibly feel as if skin cancer wouldn't be, as strong a risk as say like and more of like a, a cancer that's been within the internal organs or something
1: sure
0: um and i think you know some people can be quite surprised at how much it can influence um things when obviously we're going to say i was going to ask you if you can tell me about the risks associated with skin cancer but obviously you've just completely shared some some incredible examples of where the risks lie but i suppose from an underwriting point of view apologies (laughs) no 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 absolutely that's what my mind does as well so i like it Uh, (laughs) um, but you know from an underwriter's point of view when you're you know so like when you're hearing something about skin cancer i suppose what are the kind of things that you're thinking of like in the future you know obviously if this is somebody who's had it treated before and obviously has come out the other side so not somebody with active skin cancer right now so we've had somebody who's had the treatments and everything like that and they're coming off insurance so what is the what are the main kind of risks that kind of popping into your mind?
1: Okay, well, thanks for that one. Um, really, the first thing would be uh, what type of skin cancer that person had or had suffered from. So you're quite right um, in that some forms of uh, skin cancer are relatively benign and I have to say, as soon as I use the term cancer and I use the term benign, it it does seem a mismatch in words. However, um, the type of skin cancer that we do see a lot of is something called basal cell carcinoma or a BCC. Um, Pretty common, very common um, in terms of the face, um, from uh, sunburn, and you quite often see them in um, older people who, you know, gone on their uh, their English holidays every year and uh, and got skin damage. And often these will be seen as basal cell carcinomas. Now, the, the chances, and this is where an underwriter will will use their judgment, is the chances of actually a basal cell carcinoma becoming malignant. And what do I mean by malignant in this um, context is that it can, has the ability to spread, hmm. eat into the the skin and get into the um, internal organs. And with the basal cell carcinoma, it's it is known that these things can turn malignant, but it's extremely rare. So the BCC that has been treated. Um, Often excised either through surgery, a scalpel, very quick, very, very quick operation, if you like, with local anesthetic, or something called cryothermy, where they actually freeze the the, um, the lesion away. Um, an underwriter, once treated, I do note your, um, your, your guidelines um, earlier, mm. if treated, then we wouldn't be too worried about a BCC at all, particularly for for life insurance. Mm. That's not to say that basal cell carcinomas should be ignored by um, the public Mm. because you do see people who have had untreated basal cell carcinomas where they've had to have parts of their nose removed, Mm. their ears removed, and so on and so forth. So quite disfiguring. Well, they, they can be, if not treated, but from a mortality perspective, generally not a problem if if treated and excised. Okay. The second word, so um, just to take a step back, I'm talking about knowing the actual diagnosis of the skin cancer. The second most common is the squamous cell carcinoma, SCC, mm. often known. And these also appear in the epidermis, so that's the upper layer of the skin, um, but unfortunately do have a tendency to become malignant and, as I said before, spread. So squamous cell carcinoma from an underwriting perspective certainly cannot be ignored. Um, And we need, the underwriter will need to know um, the classification um, of of any spread um, that's associated with that particular type of carcinoma. So again, carcinoma, basal cell, carcinoma, squamous cell. Of course, the most concerning diagnosis from an underwriting perspective, and obviously a member of the public as well, is the melanoma, malignant melanoma. And this uh, type of skin cancer does have a very high um, level of, of uh, penetrating through the skin um, and into, into um other organs eventually. So malignant melanoma is certainly the worst and certainly that's the one my brother suffered from and also the one my mother-in-law suffered from, malignant melanoma. So and from an underwriting perspective the diagnosis is obviously very important. Um, if the diagnosis was in the last five years, and that, this is my this is my comment is a generality, but in the last five years then the underwriter is likely to ask certainly for the basal cell carcinoma and squamous cell carcinoma for a report from the GP which mm-hmm. hopefully will have the confirmation of that diagnosis on there. Basal cell as I say would be very rare that there would be any problems squamous cell rare but but a definite level of problems and melanoma then um, even at the lowest levels you're looking at a postponement period from the from the date of the let's say and this was its lowest stages um, excision was mm. relatively superficial um, it, in the other terms from an underwriting perspective it's obviously the date the date of diagnosis stroke the date of the uh, cessation the ending of the actual treatment that was required. And you'll see this with all cancers, which we've, you know, I've discussed before, that um, it's really much the, uh, it's the date of the end of the treatment because if you have to go into things like chemotherapy, mm-hmm. chemotherapy can last for quite a, a, a relatively long time. And it's the date when you, when you finalise that that underwriters will start counting up the years um, and months, years generally, um, that they will take into account so does does that help in terms of what underwriters will look for? Yeah. Let's say diagnosis is the key because then it, that sets an expectation of the, the level that impacts on, on life expectancy.
0: No, absolutely. That helps. I think the next thing I was going to ask is sorry, like what are the main differences between the main types, but I think just sorry, to, in a sense to summarise, make sure I've obviously picked it all up in the right way. Sure. So you'd have like the malignant, malignant melanomas, and they're the ones that are more likely to spread and, and probably seen as the more serious i mean obviously all cancer is serious but that one is the one where it's we need to sort of like be really getting on top of that sh- soonish kind of situation you then have your non malignant melanomas which would be your basal cell carcinoma and your squamous cell carcinoma so the the basal cell carcinoma is the one that's in a sense probably going to be the one that has the the least risk associated to it but again it is cancer so i'm not saying it isn't risky but just saying that's the one that's probably considered to be in a sense the lighter of the three that we could potentially be having. Right. And then okay. you would have the squamous cell, which is kind of like in the middle of the two, which is in the sense of it's still not it's not necessarily malignant at first, um, but it does have that possibly a slightly higher potential in the basal cell to to start potentially spreading. Um, the are, are there any other types of skin cancers that we would be potentially hear about because I know these are kind of like the main ones.
1: There are other types, um, but those are the three most general. I mean, the one that I would come across not very often, to to be absolutely fair, is something called um, a Merkel cell carcinoma, which, if we just get away from the carcinoma, because I I think it's pretty pretty, um, confusing to people, to be honest with you. This is a very aggressive form of melanoma. Okay. So if you see that... Uh, sorry if an underwriter sees that then they will be you know the red flags will certainly be flying okay. you get you get all types of um, i would call them interesting uh, mm. very interesting in fact benign dysplasia um dysplastic syndrome mm. uh, where people are covered in moles yes the skin, and um effectively there is a chance that some of those moles can turn malignant um and and depending on what type of syndrome it is, it has to be said, and there are a good number. Um, a dermatologist, a, a, a member of the public, should always see a dermatologist and get regular follow-ups. And what certainly I've seen them in, in um, uh, GP notes and so on and so forth. Um, a dermatologist will actually take photographs, yes, of the moles, a, a selection of moles, and see if they've compare them on a computer to see if they've changed. Because there are so many, it's sometimes quite difficult to uh, to catch. Um, so there are, are other other forms, certainly, but the and it's it's in, if somebody does have one of those forms, it's contact. Um, their specialist IFA, like say, yes. who can then get to the bottom of the the, of the challenge and and talk to the underwriters at the various offices. So those are the three main ones, and I have you know over forty odd years. It's pretty rare to see Merkel, um, but you certainly do see the um, benign dysplastic syndromes come up now and again, but they're not common.
0: Okay. I think one of the things that I find quite useful, so like if I was to come across something like that, and it's a name that I'm not, like, it's not the one I'm massively familiar with, um, I go onto Google and I put yeah. it in, and if possible, straight away, if there's something to do with the NHS, you know, straight away, look at that one, that's going to be a really good place. Um, for for you to find out some of the core information that you need. You can obviously as well have really good places looking at charities. Um, Sometimes quite hard sometimes to figure out which charities and maybe absolutely legitimate information that you're getting from because obviously as with anything with the the information that you have out there it's it's you just don't know It's sort of like who's saying the right thing you know i certainly wouldn't go necessarily by wikipedia even though it's really useful <laughs> um you know i wouldn't want to use that as sort of the this absolute but try and make sure as well especially for people listening um probably going to be uk advisors try and make sure that you look at like a uk-based charity um just so you can make sure it's so sort of like well understanding what the treatment might be here so you can get really useful information i I sometimes find incredibly useful information especially maybe within like um american um charities or different things from looking stuff up but then obviously their treatments might sometimes be a little bit different the way that the procedures would be done um or like the time frames in which procedures would be done potentially um so it's, it's, it's just useful anyway if you can do that um We've spoken about things like the cancer before. Obviously we spoke previously about the bowel cancer and a few things we spoke about that terminology of the staging and the grading. So a bit of a, a quick recap, we've obviously got stage zero is that the cancer is pretty much stayed where it is stage one and two. It started to spread a little bit stage three. It started to go in towards the lymph nodes and stage four is that it has gone into the lymph nodes and it has metastasized elsewhere. And I think that's probably like we were saying before, you like know, the whole thing of like, you know, skin cancer, possibly underneath your fingernail or, or it's a mole. I think people probably, you know, I think a lot of us would think of it as like, well, that's it. It's, it's a mole, but they wouldn't necessarily think about what's going on and like what's spreading from that mole elsewhere and how that could actually end up, you know, some of those cells could go somewhere else. And then you've just, you've got then something much, much more intense internally. Um it it may be it may not be the case, but is there any particular kind of area of the body where, if you were to get skin cancer in that place, that it's it's sort of like maybe more dangerous in terms of like the metastasizing or anything? Yeah, it's it's that's it's,
1: it's a very very good question, um, and the uh, high level answer because all you know, it's any form of cancer is about catching it as early as possible, yeah. and I think that that will be um, well known to 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 all our. Uh, all our listeners um, but with um, with skin cancer, um, as I said a high level if the if the lesion is on your trunk, mm. then there tends to be or can be a worse prognosis than if it was on, on an arm or a leg. okay that is because the uh, lesion and any metastasized doesn't have far enough to travel yeah to a major organ like your liver. For as an example, um, if you know, in my brother's case, the lesion was probably in terms of duration from the area on his trunk to his liver was was very, very small. Mm. If he'd have had it on his foot, you can see that the, the, I'm using these as examples, by the way, but if it's on his foot, it'd have an awful long, uh, longer to travel. So trunk lesions tend to be, can be. More serious than ones on the arms and the legs.
0: Okay.
1: If that if that helps at all,
0: it does. I think one of the things that I kind of find because um, I'm very visual, and one of the things I find quite difficult is the sort of like imagining how that cell, in a sense, moves. You know, so so like if I imagine blood cells or something, maybe this is a good example. So if I imagine blood cells, I can imagine like um, graphics from when I was little. Of, um of like, you know, sort of like a, a vein or something and there'd be like a little circular blood cell kind of yeah, swimming through the vein. Absolutely, and absolutely. I'm is that kind of like the same for the lymphatic system with with these cells? Are they just kind of having a it sounds like having a little jolly along kind of like a little lymph river of some sort and then ending up in another place?
1: Yes. Is, is the very straight answer to your question. Once, once they get into, say, the lymph system. Mm. But of course, they have to get into the lymph system in the first place. Yes. And that is where you will get, um, using the vernacular, uh, um, stories of cancer eating through yeah. the tissue, soft tissue. And that's, in fact, what they do need to do until they enter. They find uh, a canal system, if you like, mm. um, that, that, that travels around the body. Okay. Um, but they have to lodge somewhere, of course, and, you know, part of that is, dare I say it, the look of the game.
0: I was going to but, say, I imagine it's the case of, the, you know, like you say, you know, for, for your brother, it, it probably thought, oh, the liver's here. I'll just, it not, not necessarily <laughs> thought it, but it just <laughs> it was like, era. yeah, but it could have, in, in many ways, it could have possibly just carried on in a sense swimming and yeah. gone up to the brain or anything.
1: Yeah, and as, 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 as you know, I mean, truly metastatic cancer, um, you will get people, in fact, Chris had, he did get brain cancer at the end of the day, he had spread to his brain. Yeah. So you can see that um, you know cancer cells don't necessarily stop in one part of the body. They will spread, as, as we know from yeah. cancer in all types of ways, it'll spread to your lungs, it'll spread to your brain, it can spread to all types of areas. So um, yeah, in, in broad terms, what you're saying is right. The, what you get though is the the, the the cells, the cancer cells, effectively attacking healthy cells, mm. um, and if I get it, and spread or eat, if yeah. you want to really use a crude term, um, through the body until they can find an easier way of of, of travelling. Okay. That's what you just outlined ultimately. Okay. So yeah, that you know, in broad terms, that can that can happen. Now with Breslow, um, sorry, with, with with staging, it's quite it can be quite confusing mm. because um, dermatologists, particularly in the in the cancer uh, arena, will often use two. Um, I don't if, I don't know if I can call them technical, mm-hmm. but they use two classifications. One's Breslow. I don't know if you've ever come across that with with any of your clients, and one's yeah. Clark's.
0: Okay.
1: Now I raise talk about this now because you raised the um, the staging. Yes. One, two, three, four. Okay. Now it can be confusing, but if if um, anybody listening does have a client who knows their Breslow or Clark score, and people who have had skin melanoma mm. note, um, they quite often will if they're interested in these things i have to say they will know what their breslow or clark score is yeah now the breslow score is actually a, a measurement of the, the the physical death or the thickness of mm. the um of the tumor and it's always measured in tends to measured, i should say most of the time in millimeters okay Okay, where the Clark's level is is pretty simple in a way. It really just measures how many layers of skin the tumor has penetrated. Noting that the tumor will sit on the top of the epidermis and then eat its way. Sorry, eat. I use that term. I know. There. It's it's a good but, version. It's a
0: good way to visualize it though, because it is, it, you know it is.
1: You're absolutely right. It'll penetrate penetrate down. So what effectively you can get when you you can't use I'll use Breslow's. Mm. So that's I. I can see is the most common in my experience. People may disagree with that. Um, you can get a Breslow's, which is um, a level four mm. under the Breslow's, but as in fact it can be a stage one in okay. the category that you use of one, two, three, four. Okay. So a level is certainly cannot shouldn't be mistaken to a stage that you spoke about five yep. minutes ago. Okay, so a level four can be a stage one and ultimately the stage one, two, three, four will be the, the, the guide to yes. the underwriting, progno- the medical prognosis, the underwriting prognosis. But nevertheless, why um, oncologists, dermatologists have, have devised Breslow schemes is that it can give them an insight into how to treat mm. clinically the patient. Yeah. Okay. Overall prognosis will generally, certainly in underwriting terms, because they are broad categories for underwriting. Yeah. Um, they will use one, two, three, four, but you can convert a Breslow into a stage. Have I? Does that make any sense? No, it does. I it's it because. Because people might go away from here thinking, oh my God, I've got a level four, the end of the world. That's not the truth. It's a stage. And if they're worried about that at all, talk to their GP.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's really useful as well as for advisors. Cause again, you know, obviously as an advisor, you tend to hear stuff sort of like stage one. You know, with potential options, obviously, the higher you go up in the staging, the the fewer options there'll be for insurance. So if somebody just hears level four, they may they may automatically think, oh, stage four and then think this is going to be very, very difficult to get insurance for, which probably couldn't be further from the truth in many ways. Um, So that's really helpful. Thank you. So when it comes to skin cancer, what would be kind of like the usual treatments that you expect? And I do appreciate, obviously, we talked about lots of different types here. Um, but what are the kinds of treatment levels where you think like an underwriter is going to like sit up a bit more and go, hello there. That's something that probably indicates this cancer is a, a bit of a strong one.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you, you did mention, um, we have mentioned, talked about it, And you just said that um, different types of cancer and the, the um, chances of them becoming malignant are different for different types of uh, skin lesion. Certainly, from you, to answer your question directly, um, radiotherapy and chemotherapy are the big ones that um, an, an underwriter would look for. That's not to say that radiotherapy is not used in some of the, um, if I can use the term, non-malignant carcinomas that we've spoken about mm. before. Um, but radiotherapy I mean, excision is nearly always going to happen in one way or another, whether that's surgical or whether it's through, through, through freezing or or creams, anti-cancer mm. creams or goodness knows what else. OK, that without even a, a, a BCC, a benign, sorry, a um, basal cell carcinoma,
0: mm.
1: right would look for it to be have been treated successfully. Yeah okay Absolutely. even though there's a very very small chance of it becoming malignant in the broad terms um, but certainly radiotherapy would per- perk the ears if i can uh, use that term mm-hmm. and the mention of chemotherapy certainly would be a, um, a, a concern generally you would say we'll, we'll go back to staging as opposed mm. to very confusing levels um, but in terms of the staging as you know from your own not personal experience but experience working in the industry Chemo normally comes in at three and four. Yeah. Um, other treatments one and two, two certain not, not every cancer, but will uh, often come in with radiotherapy. Yeah. So as soon as you get to chemotherapy, you can broadly equate to you're looking at stage three or stage four.
0: Yeah. So generally there's gonna have been a stronger cancer. There is
1: more chance that the tumor itself would have eaten through the um wherever it's, wherever it's placed uh, and gone into the lymph system and the chemotherapy is required to obviously go across all of the body to find those those cancer cells that have escaped from the from the original tumor
0: absolutely one thing and i've just very interesting for me to to pick up there as well so sometimes we've had it and this is obviously jumping a little bit but um so we've had it with people with heart conditions where they've maybe had like an um, icd um fitted and what we've actually found is that the person's had it done on the private uh, medical insurance. And sometimes you'll find that um, people, so, so maybe some things or maybe immediate, initially seem quite like, you know, that thing where an underwriter would think, well, hang on a minute, if this has been done, then that's, then that probably means that this was like the symptoms and everything were a bit stronger than expected because, but in actual fact, what it is, is because the person of private medical treatments, they were, they actually were given possibly a stronger having the surgery more almost like as a preventative in some ways whereas they wouldn't have got that on the NHS because you actually need to so I don't know if I'm making sense with that so sometimes with private treatments you will get a treatment whereas you wouldn't get it on the NHS because you need to be more ill on the NHS to be able to get the treatment and I was just wondering if that would be potentially the same with the cancers you know could it be I know you're saying about chemotherapy typically stage three or four but could it be if someone has private medical treatment that they would actually maybe potentially be given chemotherapy at like a stage two or something? Would you think that would happen?
1: I think with the way that, med- I, I would, three, <clears throat> two things here. I, I would say that the way that people's understanding, one of the people here is the the specialists, the oncologists, etc., etc. The way that they are understanding of the developments of some cancer is gaining pace so, so fast that mm. well, I don't, believe that the standard treatment for cancers today is this anywhere near as it was 15 years ago.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, so I think to answer your question directly, never say never.
0: Okay. No, I I thought that might be the (laughs) case, but I just thought if there was anything (laughs) that stood out. I mean, it's a good point because I think you can draw
1: the analogy across a lot of medical conditions, a lot of medical conditions, and... It's where the underwriter needs to keep up to speed with modern treatment. Also, you know, talk to the client um, and, and, and better understand. Well, I didn't really have any symptoms, but my doctor said it was worth.
0: Yes. And
1: and rather than just take it as red, or well, they're they're underestimating their their condition, look into it a little bit more. Ask some more questions. Um, don't take it as red. Yeah. Um, and I think as an advisor. There are some insurers out there who will look into it a little bit more and some insurers who won't bother.
0: Absolutely. Okay, so coming towards the end of the podcast, I've got a case study um, for us all to to listen to, if that's okay. So this is somebody um, that we arranged the policy for. It started about a month ago. Um, So sorry, just at the beginning of summer um, in 2021. Um, With this person, they were in their early 40s, they were a non-smoker and they had what was known as atypical mole syndrome so probably something that you've uh, touched on a little bit earlier there Matt um, yeah. so atypical mole syndrome so it was somebody who obviously had would, would developed moles and they'd had uh, two of the moles have been identified as early stage skin cancer so the malignant uh, melanomas uh, the last one had been about three years ago and they, uh, there were other moles but they were all non-cancerous so the treatments had been sort of like just a need for surgical removal. So the excisions, there'd be no need for the chemotherapy or radiotherapy. And what was interesting with this, and it's kind of like one of those things of saying for advisors, you know, make sure that you do really shop around, is that we've got such a mix of decisions and indications from this. So this was all starting, um, you know, let's say it was it started the beginning of the, so probably. You know, a couple of months before we started obviously doing all the research and everything. And at the time, uh, you know, we had a number of different decisions because it was still kind of where there was a lot of COVID restrictions and insurers. Um, So we were getting, you know, we were getting some saying, well, we could maybe do this, but the rating is just a higher than what we're able to do at the moment, which, you know, was happening with quite a lot of people at the time. But regardless of that. And, and also just saying to them, right, well, when you can actually do it, what's going to be available? Um, we were getting a mix. So we were seeing some per, per mill ratings, which is something that um, I think we've, um, I've discussed before. And if anybody hasn't, if you listen to the life insurance masterclass with Alan Knowles, that was done in an earlier season, he goes into that and explains it in far more detail than I can. Um, and then we also had, we did have somebody that would indicate 100%. So that's, I always think it's really strange sometimes how you can go from some insurers say decline, some say per mills, and then another person says 100% premium increase. But then ultimately, that person did decline when they were seeing the medical information. Um, but obviously, we're still con- continuing on and still chatting with with other people as well. And we did end up actually getting them the insurance with a 50% increase on the premiums. So, um, you know, we've gone from per mills to 100% to a 50%. And the 50% was the one that actually went ahead. So around about, so about £450,000 of decreasing life in cover over 29 years was just under £40 per month for this person. Um, which I think was a, a really good um, outcome considering what a lot of insurers were, were suggesting. But something that really stood out for us with this um, was the fact that obviously there was the for critical illness cover, it was declines everywhere. And it comes back to that thing of me and sort of like my mindset is sort of like saying, well, in a sense, why? You know, why you know if somebody's had this and and obviously they I mean obviously this is possibly where you can teach me something that you know very much so. Um you know could we not give somebody in that situation critical illness cover but maybe with a cancer exclusion? And I know cancer is a massive exclusion, but it doesn't stop this person having the risk of a heart attack or a stroke developing Parkinson's, of, you know, so many of the things that are covered by these policies. I think it'd be interesting to know in a sense, and I know that obviously you're not, you can't speak for every insurer or every underwriting development team and philosophy, so sort of like set up a maker, but is there any sort of particular glaring reason why we couldn't do that?
1: Well, I, I have to say my view is that I don't see why a cancer exclusion could not be made available. Hmm. Um, I I can't ultimately um, give you even a technical view. I mean, you know, as you know, underwriting is a a mixture of technical, uh, medical and all all types of risk um, and also commercial factors as well. Uh, There are commercial overplays um, around, and that's potentially, I think, would explain why you've got declines in plus 50s. Um, But in terms of the actual exclusion, then particularly as there's been no uh, radiotherapy Mm -hmm. which of course can cause tumors in its own right particularly if it was done a while ago and when they weren't quite as uh, rigorous with their with their radiotherapy as they are today um, then chemotherapy as well potentially but without those two um, then I can't really see the reason why they, sh- they shouldn't um, or somebody should not provide an exclusion unless they're saying that um, there is a potential risk in the future for radiotherapy and yes. chemotherapy and that therefore, um, you know, that they, they can't provide cover. But I think I'm going around in circles a little bit and uh, almost talking aloud, but I would have said... I can't see why not. Did did um the team um, dig a little bit further into why cancer couldn't be given?
0: Um no. <laughs> critical illness okay, cover no, no I'm not sure. It's it's one of those things of you know, you, you do ask, but you know, then sometimes you do get just a okay. hard and fast note. I mean, we can do specialist critical illness cover, yeah.
1: um,
0: which is 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 fine, and I mean, you know we can potentially do that. Um But, you know, it's just that kind of thing that sometimes pops in my head sometimes. And I do, you know, there is obviously that other argument as well of sort of, you know, is it actually fair to to put an exclusion on a policy? But a big thing that I always go back to is that, for me, the only fair option is to give choice. Yes. So to give people the choice to say, well, you can't have it, but if you do want it, you can have it with an exclusion. You know, is it better for them to walk away with a cancer exclusion on a policy than to walk away with no critical illness cover at all. Yeah. And I think that's the but I do appreciate the comment, obviously the fact that they may need, you know, chemotherapy, radiotherapy in the future. The only thing I that again, a potential counter argument to it would be that, you know, this person is obviously very aware that they have this condition. If they develop a mole or a mole changes, they're immediately to their GP and possibly a far, far less risk of than a lot of people who may just ignore something like that because they are so heightened to watching for skin changes um so it's 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 an interesting one i'm sure that there's i'm sure there's plenty of potentially underwriters or different like you said technical people out there who are a mix of possibly thinking hmm, well maybe she has a point or maybe no not having that kind of thing you know i think yeah, there's I, a
1: it's one of those cases where i would i would like to know the i would love to better understand the thinking yeah. um is it, and that's exactly why you raised the question of course yeah um it does seem on the face of it, it seems harsh on the face of it. It sounds as though it needs um, a better
0: discussion. Absolutely. Well, hopefully we'll get there. it will be an extra thing to add to my, uh access to insurance (laughs) queries Uh, (laughs) um, so just to sort of round up the the podcast then Um, so when I was doing this research I was looking quite a bit at the British Skin Foundation and what they do is they do provide details on their website of an app called My Skin so that's um it's Mike Indigo Indigo Skin all one word and you can download that I can give you guidance on what to do in terms of like taking pictures of any changes to your skin how to record it um and show you know sorry cap like, it will prompt you sort of like to also sort of like do it let's check that area of the skin again type of thing in the picture um I, I downloaded it last night at the moment there wasn't a charge for it at all so i do think it's probably a good thing for people to have if if they are prepared to have that and um, you can also as well order lots of um skin cancer booklets for them again i went on and sort of like ordered some for the team uh, last night there was no no charge or anything but again you just you never know when that could might just be something that triggers in somebody's mind, I need to do this. And as we've said, skin cancer isn't just about having a mole on the skin. It it is potentially life-threatening. So as always, thank you so much for your insights, Matt. Thank you for joining me.
1: Absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for inviting me, particularly on a subject like skin cancer.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're going to be back in a couple of weeks with Roy McLaughlin and um, just as a reminder for everybody, if you want to have a reminder for the next episode, just drop us a message on social media or you can contact us on the website practical-protection.co.uk and don't forget to claim your CPD certificate on the website um, that is uh, available thanks to our sponsors, OCTO members. So, thank you again, Matt, and I'll speak to you soon.
1: My pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Bye.